Today we're in a big year theme called Year of the Bible. And so basically what we're doing is we're breaking down some of the readings that we follow through in the one-year Bible from week to week. And we take a snapshot of what was just read and we preach about it here on Sunday mornings. And you can follow along with us uh, through the app. If you get Northwood.tv's app, we have the message notes there. And uh, if you're reading in your one-year Bible, guess what? You know what we're about to talk about, right? There's only so much we can talk about and cover in a week, but we're going to hang out in the book of Acts, basically chapter seven, eight, and nine. And I believe we're going to get something out of it as individuals, first of all, then collectively as a church, right? As a church, not the sheetrock, not the lights, not the organization of the church, but you, the church. And that's what we're all about is people here. And so really we want to talk about helping others know God. Helping others know God is part of our mission statement here at Northwood Church. It's the gasoline that wakes us up in the morning, right? Talked to a, a, a gentleman not too long ago. He's in the sales industry, and he said, residual income is what wakes me up in the morning. Well, helping people know God is what wakes us up in the morning. Come on, somebody. Yep, a few of you woke up. We're going to wake up here in a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn on the diesel fuel here. Hang on. The mission of God, what is the mission of God? That's a big statement, I wanna simplify it in one sentence. It's the redemption of mankind through Jesus Christ carried out by the church that's empowered by the Holy Spirit, period. It's the greatest mission, it's the greatest commission that a man could ever adopt, a man could ever be a part of on this planet, period. Is when we begin to co-labor with God, we see great things happening. And so that's the big idea. And we're looking at Acts, and, Acts 7 and 9. We see the early church back in the beginning of Acts was born. The early church is the church of the New Testament, right? It's the church that began after Christ came on the scene, after Jesus came on the scene. The early church was, was moving forward in this mission or this task, this responsibility of redemption. And uh, we're going to look at a few examples out of the book of Acts. There's about four individuals in that story that I think we're going to get something out of. As followers of Christ, what we've got to remember is that we're commanded to accomplish the mission of Jesus, which is to seek and save that which is lost, and to destroy the works of the devil. And uh, the devil's real and he is out to blind the minds of those who don't believe. And uh, we're, our job is to basically tear down those blinders as individuals. And I'm gonna show you how it can work practically. Now I know it's Father's Day, and so this is a mission message. Come on, somebody. You know, talking about Father's Day, I've got a father, his name's Jerry Stokes, and uh, talking about the mission of God, I remember back, and he tells me the story probably around 1998, 97, 98 or so. Uh, basically, he came to the end of this thing called love in his life, right? So we had a family, it didn't work out. My mom and dad got separated. Uh, they lived on opposite sides of the town. I was at frat party 101, never in, exited it. You know, so nobody ever saw me. I hung out in that class as a binge individual. And uh, my dad prayed one evening. He said, my family didn't make it, which was, was, was my dream. 
My marriage didn't make it, which was my dream, and my heart's broken, and I, I have given everything I had to this thing called love, and so because it doesn't work, I'm going to scratch it off of my heart for good. And so his prayer looked like this, and I'm paraphrasing to a degree, God, or if there's a God out there, right? He was an agnostic, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Been halfway around the world six times, read the Bible a few times, threw it back in the cabinet, if you know what I'm talking about. And he said, if there's a God out there, I'm here to let you know that I'm scratching this thing called love off of my heart for good. Amen. That was probably the prayer and what it looked like with tears in his eyes and his fist balled up in anguish. The next day, he was out doing sales, business-to-business sales, and he happened to go into a restaurant where there was an elderly lady there who owned the restaurant who had Parkinson's disease. If you know what Parkinson's disease is, you shake a lot. You know what I'm talking about. And so uh, my dad went into there. He was going to offer some sort of advertisement for this lady, and the lady paused and said, Jerry, I don't really want to talk about the advertisement right now. I want to talk to you about the love of Jesus the love of Jesus. And you know what? Uh, my dad has a great honor and a great respect for elderly. How many of you know God knows who to send? <laughs> if you were a man and told him that, you probably wouldn't be in this service today. He'd go ahead and kill you. <laughs> if you know my dad, you know what I'm talking about. His nickname was Killer Stokes. So anyway, so it was an elderly lady with Parkinson's disease. Thank God, right? And she said, Jerry, Jesus loves you, and you can't deny that. And I want to pray with you right now to receive Jesus. And when she said that, he began to break down emotionally and couldn't stop crying. Now, that's not normal characteristic for my father. And so he's in the middle of the restaurant, and she went over to grab his wrist to pray for him, and she's shaking like this, and he's weeping. And he said, you, 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 I can't handle it anymore. I can't. And so he begins to try to take the death grip off of, her, off of his wrist. And she said, no, Jerry, don't deny the love of Jesus coming into your heart. And he said it felt like sodium pentothal was being injected into his veins. He's been rushed to the hospital many times, almost dead, so he knows that feeling. He says, the only thing I can even picture it to be like, and she finished praying, and she said, Jerry, you're going to get in that red truck out there. When you leave, you're going to know and believe that I'm a psychic, but let me tell you something, I'm not. He got in his truck, he said, for sure, she's a psychic. <laughs> not only is she a psychic, I reckoned I've had a nervous breakdown. It's time to head to the VA. My dad's a Vietnam veteran. He went to the VA, talked to a psychiatrist. He said, Doc, I'm broke. Let me tell you what happened. Drove up to a restaurant, lady in the thing. She's talking about Jesus. I'm breaking down. That's it. I'm finished. Go ahead and throw me on the table. See what's wrong with me. I said, all right, Mr. Stokes, calm down a little bit. We're going to put you on the table. We're going to examine you. We're... He said, yeah, for sure. There's something's broke. There's no doubt about it. So the psychiatrist examined him thoroughly and said, well, about all I can find, Mr. Stokes, is you got a little bit of mild depression. You might want to go look into what the older lady said with Parkinson's disease. <laughs> he left there. He said, I better go home and get real quiet for a few days, but I'm going to stop by Sam's. And when he walked into Sam's, there was a great, great big gigantic pile of rainbow study Bibles. And there was a guy sitting there reading them, and they bumped shoulders, and it was a dad's friend of his he ain't seen in 20 years. And my dad told him the story, and he said, my God, you're on fire for God. He said, what you talking about, man? 
He said, God's all over you. So I'm going to pick this Bible up. He went home, sat there for about 14 days and read 2,000 pages. Speed the story up. He got saved. <laughs> he got saved, you know, and, uh, you know, he got water baptized in this building right behind me. I showed up and watched and I said, these people are crazy, but something definitely happened to my dad. Now let me go get real drunk. Think about this a little bit more. About a year later, late 1999, I got on my hands and knees on the back of my parents' property. One of their properties had been up for about three days or so. I was living a bad lifestyle, and I said, here was my prayer. God, please spare my life. That was it. So you got my dad's prayer. You see what happened. He ended up Northwood Church by a miracle. Can't go into that story. I, say that, I said a prayer, and after I said that prayer, when the daylight started coming up, you know who I called? Called my daddy, called my father. And one of his prayers was, God, restore my relationship with my son. I called my dad. I said, hey, man, I'm in a world of pain over here. You got to come get me some. Be right there. He picked me up. I went offshore, had a few encounters out there, came back home, moved in with my dad, and he invited me to a men's meeting where my father-in-law, Pastor Van, was preaching, and when he spoke, I said, my God, that's me, and I gave my life to Christ. I'm here to talk to you about the mission of God accomplished through the broken heart of mankind where God uses regular individuals, ordinary individuals, and attaches them to the local church where transformation can take place and people can hear the gospel. There is an attack against the local church in the minds of individuals, and it's the organization, and it's just being attacked. Let me hear you say, God's going to build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's right. God's great commandment holds in it a great weight of responsibility to the followers of Jesus. A great weight. His commission, his, 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 his command, his commission has a burden attached to it. it. It has a passion attached to it. It has a sacrifice attached to it. It has a willingness attached to it. See, responsibility will gravitate to individuals who can carry it. And the, and, the, and the destruction and the distortion in the mind of a normal person is I'm not perfect, I failed, I sinned, and now I can't do anything for God because I'm struggling in an area, hey, welcome to humanity, it's never gonna stop. Pattern from, look, look, generation from generation, you're going to struggle and you're going to struggle. But God says, in your weakness, my strength's made perfect. And if you, get a, if you get about the father's business of carrying out the weight and the responsibility and the passion and the drive and the anticipation to see people come to God, guess what? Your weight and your burden that is making you sick in the mind and not want to do something God is diminished 
It diminishes because grace kicks in, which is the power of God to accomplish the will of God. Some of you are struggling, and I'm here to give you the antidote, which is get busy in the kingdom. Get busy in the kingdom. That's right. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift of God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God. This is where everybody stops. But and God has given us this task, this weight of responsibility of reconciling people to him. That's the great commandment. It's a two-sided coin. It's the missional mindset. It's the missional mindset. It's the culture of a missionary in the heart of an individual. You're a missionary in your arenas. You're a missionary in your sales force. You're a missionary in your business. You're a missionary at your school. You're a missionary in your occupation. You're a missionary in your house. You're a missionary in your neighborhood because that's who you are because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells inside of the Christ follower and it becomes the driving scope of your life, the focus, and it's great and it's exciting and God wants to breathe on it. But we must be faithful and available to be able to be a part of this. What, 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 I, what I've seen in my personal life is that I can pull over and park the car and sit there for a while. And, and God might be encouraging me, but, but I have to put it back into drive and get back on the highway and get moving in the things of God. See, the early church was growing at that time back in the book of Acts. It was in Jerusalem, the setting was. Christ came on the scene. There was an apostle named Peter. He preached a powerful message. Thousands of people were, were inspired in their heart and, and realized there was a God, and Jesus was the way, and gave their hearts to God, and they were there for festivals. But the early church began. The mission of God began right there in Jerusalem, and, and, and they needed people to help administrate things. They needed people to be a part of this great Revival, if you would, this great awakening, and they chose a guy named Stephen. Stephen was faithful, and Stephen was available, and he said, you know what, Stephen, we need you to help us out because all these people are hungry. That's why we got peanuts and root beer back there, by the way, <laughs> beef jerky, you know. <laughs> he said, these people are hungry. They're not going back home they came here to Jerusalem for these festivals and there was an awakening in their life and they're hungry and they're excited and they want to move forward with God, but they got to eat. Will you wait those tables, man? He said, absolutely. I'm faithful. I'm available. I'm not above waiting tables. I'll carry food to the elderly. I'll carry food to the widows. Come on, I'll park cars in the parking lot. Come on, somebody. I'll usher somebody to their seats. I'm faithful and available and I'm willing to do something. He was full of faith. 
And through that, he accomplished the mission of God. It says in Acts chapter 6, verse 8, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. This is a waiter, folks. This guy is a waiter. I can imagine him right now carrying that food over to the person who had given their life to Christ. They were trying to eat. They were having meetings. The apostles were preaching, and she was saying, I'm sick, and I'm tormented. And he said, you know, before you eat, let me, let me pray for you. And he just took opportunities and lay hands on them. And guess what? The Bible says miracles followed him. Miracles will follow those who believe. That's right. And, 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 and God will astound you when you step out in faith. God will astound you when you begin to step out in faith like Stephen did. See, a missional mindset is developed when we pour our lives into serving in the local church. It's developed in us. It's something that it has to be developed. And, and, and God puts it in us by faith, but then we develop that thing. We begin to work at it. We begin to cooperate with God to carry out his mission. We get lean and mean, if you would. You know what I'm talking about. Just like training, when you train for the Olympics, Paul the apostle who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament talks about training, talks about discipline for the, for the carrying out of the gospel. No comparison to the Olympics, right? The gospel, the missional mindset, this guy, Stephen, he was such a great guy, did such great things that the, the religious people of that time hated the new way, hated the life-giving way, hated something different, the Spirit of God, and interacting with a relationship with God personally as an individual connecting with your God. They said, no, we don't want that. We want you to follow our rules. We want you to follow our regulations. We hate the way of Jesus, and we hate this guy named Stephen, and they stoned him to death. They killed the dude, man, and a stoning is a brutal death. And as they were stoning him, he began to preach to them, and it was so powerful that the Bible says the religious people, as they were killing him, were plugging their ears because their hearts were burning within them. This is a guy named Stephen. This is a missional mindset. You know, the early church, though Stephen was stoned, didn't stop there didn't stop there. Persecution began to hit the church in Jerusalem and they began to drag people out of their houses and bring them to jail. And guess what? Many people scattered and they ran off. They said, dude, man, Stephen just got stoned. I don't want to get stoned. I'm out. They took off. The church was scattering. Things were happening. Persecution was coming. And things happen in our personal life but regardless of what's going on in our life, we must be faithful to carry out the mission of God and in order to do that, we have to be flexible. We have to be creative. And when we're in situations, we can't give up. We can't grow weary at well-doing, for at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Too many people give up right when the breakthrough is about to happen. I understand weariness. I understand being tired. I understand the attack of faith in the mind. I understand the pressure. But when you step back up and say, yes, God, there's a supernatural grace that kicks in and you continue on. We must be flexible and creative. There was a guy who kept carrying out the mission. Stephen died. His name was Philip. Right there in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 5, Philip 
for an example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. He said, look, though Stephen was dead, though the church was being persecuted, he said, I'm going to begin to leverage this circumstance. He said, I'm going to begin to leverage the circumstantial things that are taking place in Jerusalem, and I'm going to kick back up. I'm going to springboard. I'm going to use it as momentum. How many of you need to start taking your circumstances and using them as momentum generators? A missional mindset understands that many people are crying out in desperation and that we have the answer within us. When my father was crying out in desperation, that little old lady who ran that restaurant with Parkinson's disease looked in wild man Jerry's eyes and said, Jesus loves you. We have the answer We have the antidote on the inside of us. His name is Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He is the great I am. He is the beginning and the end. He is the alpha and the omega. See, Philip didn't allow the persecution that was taking place in Jerusalem to slow him down. He maximized the moment. You have to learn to begin to maximize the moment. When pressure kicks in on your life, it tries to paralyze you. But we have to realize that what the enemy has meant for evil, God will turn it into good if we continue to move forward in his mission. Come on, somebody. You have to sometimes fight, right? Sometimes you have to just reach down and find just a little bit left on the inside of you and toil that thing on up and pull it on up and stand and say, let's move forward. Stop allowing the circumstantial things in your life to paralyze you. Begin to leverage every season. How many men we got in here? Y'all waking up yet? All right, yeah, that's right. That's good. We're on a mission, ladies. Pastor Casey's not a male chauvinist, right? (laughs) Acts chapter 8, verse 30. (laughs) Philip ran over. This is leveraging every moment. Philip ran over and heard a man reading from the prophet Isaiah, reading the Bible. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I understand unless somebody instructs me? And he urged Philip to come on up in his carriage and say, tell me about it, Philip. Tell me about it. Leveraging every season, leveraging every season, maximizing every moment. I'm sure he had family that was being persecuted, maximizing every moment. I'm sure some of his friends died, maximizing every moment. I'm sure he didn't have a lot of stuff on him because he was scattered out, maximizing every moment. Got to be bold. We got to be courageous in order to continue in the missional mindset. We've got to be bold. We've got to be courageous. Tell you a little story about a person named Ananias, the book of Acts, another gentleman here carrying out the mission. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling out Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street 
to the house of Judas. And when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus. His name is Saul. He is praying to me right now. See, God hears the prayers of people. He knows what's going on, folks. I have shown him, verse 12, I have shown him in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. God's saying, I'm sending somebody to you, Saul. But the Lord exclaimed, but the Lord exclaimed, Ananias, he's like, hold up a second, God. I hear what you're saying, but I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. This guy, Saul of Tarsus, ordered the stoning of Stephen, basically. He consented to it. This guy, Saul of Tarsus, ordered people to be drug out of their house, right? Skull dragged out. I'm talking militant. Doors kicked in, skull dragged out. This is Saul. He was well-known, a commander, an elite, passionate about eradicating Christ's followers. This is the guy. How many of you like to go to him? He's like the notorious guy on death row. Now you go. By the way, he ain't behind a jail cell. He's, he's somewhere we can grab a hold of you. <laughs> this is what it was like for this guy named Ananias. He said, Lord, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priest, the religious sect, to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go. Now, this, this, this will break. This, is, this broke Ananias' brain. Watch this. Go for this killer, basically, Saul's name represented a killer. For this killer is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. Wow. See, we have no clue what God is wanting to do in another person's life. No clue. We have no clue the impact the residual effect that it will have if you're obedient to God. A missional mindset is willing to overcome fear and take risks for the sake of Christ. A missional mindset. High risk, high risk, high reward. High risk, high reward. You know, when you take an investment test, you fall into several different categories. Conservative, right? Low risk, medium. Please do not adopt that mindset and incorporate it into the missional mindset. Doesn't work. Jesus said, step out of the boat, Peter. You're going to walk on water. High risk, high reward. God's called us to be high risk takers to accomplish his mission. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. Take some chances and do things for God. Take some chances and do things for God. Yeah. But we have to stay broken and surrendered. It's the posture of a spiritual person. See this guy named Saul who was uttering threats. 
God had to bring him. He said, he's my chosen vessel. This individual, Saul, later known as Paul the Apostle, was a killer in his time. An elite executioner empowering an army of foot soldiers to terrorize the early church. But until he found the posture of brokenness and surrender, he could have never been God's vessel. That's why if we want to continue to be used by God and have power, we have to stay broken and we have to stay surrendered. A lot of times when we mess up or a lot of times when we have pride or a lot of times when we have ego, our self-sufficiency kicks in, our intellectualism, we, we begin to move out of the state of surrender and brokenness and begin to move into the state of self-idolatry again, which is always a temptation. I love myself and I love myself and I love myself. How about you? Paul, this guy named Saul, declared that I must decrease so that he can increase. He said, I die daily, basically. He took the voice of the prophet named John the Baptist. Jesus said of him, there's no greater prophet that has been ever before and who will ever come after him. How many of you know that's a powerhouse? That's a powerhouse. This dude ate locusts and honey for his diet, and he came out and prophesied, and people melted, basically. And you know what he said? He said, Jesus is on the scene, so I got to decrease and he must increase. And when we learn the posture, by the way, it's our part to co-labor with God and surrender. When we surrender, the fight in us is broken and God's fragrance is able to carry out through us and we're a sweet aroma to God. That's right. So you got to stay broken and you got to say surrendered. You can't just do more. You got to surrender more. And Paul, the apostle, his name was Saul. God took care of him. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Every breath. His every breath. Venom. Drive. So he went to the high priest, verse 2. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation. He began to market himself every day. He asked for their cooperation in the arrest of all the followers of the way. They called it the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them both in, men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains to make a spectacle of them. So he was on his way, this is good, <laughs> as he was on his way to Damascus on this mission, this humanic mission, not this mission from God, this mission to destroy, he fell to the ground. He saw a light from heaven and he fell to the ground. How many of you know God can make you fall to the ground? <laughs> God, he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul's that for a minute. Jesus will do that to you. Casey, Casey, why are, you, why are you kicking against what I'm trying to do in your life? Sometimes we kick against what God is trying to do in our life, much less carry out the mission of Christ. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
He bypassed Stephen who was stoned. He bypassed those who were drug out of their house and brought to prison, right? He said, no, no, no. He said, you're persecuting me, Saul. Now you're messing with my stuff. <laughs> here's, here, here, here's what Saul's reply was. Who are you, Lord? How many know that's a pretty good place to be? When you come to a place in your personal life when you realize without a shadow of a doubt you really don't know the Lord, that's revelation. I don't really know the Lord. So you are at a place where you're even thinking about the Lord. You've been brought to a place in your life through circumstances, through people praying for you, right? So I'm scratching love off of my heart, right? God spare my life, right? To where all of a sudden we're thinking in this realm, this spiritual realm, and this is where Saul was because he was blind and he was able to see the next day. How many know you're going to start thinking about God? And God began to leverage the circumstances in his life, just like he's leveraging every circumstance in your life. God loves you so much that his, his love and kindness draws you to that awakening, to where you know without a shadow of a doubt, Lord, who are you? God, are you real? God, are you out there? And listen to what the Lord said. I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. I'm God, I'm Jesus. Verse six, I love God. Now get up and go into the city and I'll tell you what you're gonna do next. I'm giving the orders now. How many of you are ready for God to begin to give the orders to you in your life? How many of you are tired of giving your own orders? It gets tiring kicking against what God wants to do in your life. I'm ready for the king to give me the orders now. His way is higher above than my ways. See, there's a way that seems right to a man. There's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it's death. It's death. Now get up and go into the city. I'll tell you what to do. Verse 7, the men with Saul stood up speechless. So this guy's taking some other orders. We don't know what's going on. For they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. How many of you know that God can be speaking to you in your crowd, and the crowd is not hearing the voice of the Lord around you, and sometimes you got to leave the crowd you're with and say, God's following God right now. They might be left speechless. Some of your friends might be left speechless when you begin to follow God. Welcome to the company of faith. Yeah. The man stood with Saul speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice but saw no one. Nobody can deny the work of Jesus in my life though they didn't see him. Verse eight, Saul picked himself up off the ground and when he opened his eyes, but, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind so his companions led him, to, led him to Damascus and guess who showed up in Damascus? Ananias. <laughs> God's playing chess, come on somebody. God's playing chess. He just ain't letting you know what the next move is. And scales fell from his eyes, and we know his name was changed to Paul, a powerful apostle. See, a missional mindset is fully revealed to us when we are fully surrendered 
to Jesus. Basically, this doesn't make sense necessarily in the inner man until you're connected to Jesus. That's the key, folks. That's the missing component. And that's the message of reconciliation. That's the message saying that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that soever who would believe in him would not perish. That word believe is to put all your trust, all your eggs into one basket. Basically parachute off the plane with the backpack of Jesus. It's an action word. It's a verb. It's our part. And it says those who believe in the name of the Lord will be saved and then surrendered to the mission that God has for this world. Will you bow your heads with me? I don't know where, where you are right now as a person, but God does. You heard a little bit about my story. You heard a little bit about my dad. We're normal people, nobody special, but God had a plan and a mission, and he used people, he used a broken heart, he used a prayer, and he used a local church with a pastor named Van DeCote on the side of O'Neill Road, and he wants to do the same thing for you. Some of you right now are in that place where it's time finally, once and for all, to fully surrender to Jesus. He's the great I am. He's the author and the finisher of faith. He is the one, just like he was the one for Saul. And so what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you say, you know what, Pastor Casey, I want to be included in that prayer. I know that's me. We're not going to make you come to the front of the room and think weird. Just lift your hand up, put it right back down, say, that's me. I know that's me. Thank you for your hand, ma'am. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Ma'am, thank you for that hand. Sir, that's your hand. Be bold. Yep. God is on the move. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand right there. The Holy Spirit is doing something special on the inside of you that no man can do. He goes past what man can do. And you know in your heart that says, I need Jesus. Anybody else that says, hey, you know what? I need Jesus. I see your hand, ma'am. Ma'am, I see, sir, I see your hand right there. You didn't raise your hand. It's okay. God sees your heart. I'm going to pray a prayer, and you're going to say, God, that's me. And God's going to redeem you. God's going to forgive you of your sin, of missing the mark, right? The Bible word sin, it just means I missed the mark with God. I can't muster it up the bullseye. Guys, gals, I can't, you can't muster it up the bullseye with God. Christ is the bullseye. Anybody else says me, I need Jesus. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to say, that's me, Lord, and I'm going to put some words to it. Just say, I surrender to you, Jesus. Forgive me, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, God. I receive you, Holy Spirit, into my life. I'm yours. Now I'm on your mission. I want to thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give it up for those who prayed that prayer.
If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.